This is my song. 
My name is Stephen Conley. Um, I have the privilege of teaching the youth, sometimes on Sundays, sometimes on Wednesdays. And uh, they let me back up here. I guess I didn't spew too much heresy, so it's always a good thing. Um, so today, as we approach communion, I want us to remember, right? Remember that salvation is free. Discipleship is costly. You see, it's an idea we talked about at camp. I guess it's almost been two weeks ago now. Um, the idea that all that is required of us is to believe, right? Salvation, eternal life, all that's required is to believe. But to follow and serve Jesus is costly, right? It will cost us something. And for Paul, it costs right, a lot. Can we bring up 1 Corinthians? There it is. I don't have it right here. So I'm going to pull up my phone. Excuse me. Sorry. Well, turn around. Yeah, but then I'm not facing the audience. That's bad etiquette, you know? All right, so 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also we took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Something that's really easy to pass up, right? So in verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord. What did Paul receive, right? He received a vision from the Lord, right? The idea that, or maybe he received it from Peter. Maybe he received it from James on his mission trip back to Jerusalem, right? This idea that the Lord's Supper is an important part of the Christian walk that we have the privilege of partaking in every single week. Every single week, right? This idea that this discipleship 
that we pursue, right, as we get to know and follow Jesus. Part of that is communion, right? The Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. And there's two elements, right? There's little, there's little crackers, right? There's some, they symbolize the bread, the bread that is the body of Jesus broken for our inequity, right? And then we have the little cup of juice symbolizing the wine, symbolizing the blood that Jesus spread freely, right? Shed freely for our behalf to cleanse us of our sin so that we may believe and have eternal life. So there's six tables, right? Three on each side. And um, I'll pray for us and you'll be dismissed to go take the elements. God, thank you for this day and all that you do. And we just come before you in recognition of the fact that you did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You died on the cross, bridging the gap between us and God. So we may enter into eternity and all that we must do is believe. And we do, Jesus. We believe that you are Lord and that your sacrifice was enough. And that is why we eat the bread and drink the juice. Amen. All right, y'all are dismissed. Three, there's two in the front, right? Two on the sides. Good morning. First off, I want to say if this is your first time at Firewall Bible Fellowship, welcome. Um, if I have not had the pleasure of meeting you, uh, 
my name is Kevin Davis, and I am one of our elders here. I'm also one of our teachers here on Sunday morning. Uh, today is a uh, special day, and uh, as we have um, a guest speaker here who's going to be sharing the gospel with us this morning, uh, Dr. George M. Hillman serves as the Vice President for Education and Professor of Educational Ministries and Leadership at Dallas Theological Seminary. Now, George came to Dallas Theological Seminary with years of pastoral experience in churches and parachurch operations in both Texas as well as Georgia. He's a graduate of Texas A&M University and Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Now, George has a passion for education, spiritual formation, and leadership development. He is a rabid college football fan. He loves good barbecue. He is married and has one grown daughter. So if we would, let's give a very warm Firewall Bible Fellowship welcome to George M. Hillman. Thanks, man. Well, good morning. Let me open us up in prayer real quickly. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Father, Son, Spirit, you are worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. May we always be reminded of how worthy you are and how dependent we are. We thank you for your presence this morning and for allowing us to enter into your presence. We bring nothing but our broken selves, but that is all that is required of us. Father, Son, Spirit, as we open your inspired word and take a peek at what is to come, may both your call to worship and your warning be heeded. Amen. Well, again, so glad to be here this morning. Um, somebody asked me, are you Jen's boss? So I work with Jen Pena. It, she works in our office. Uh, so excited that they got back from Ecuador, praying for quick health and recovery for both of them. But I am glad to be here this morning uh, with all of you. So about two weeks ago, at 7 o'clock in the morning, I had a bunch of people pull up in vans and pickup trucks, and they unloaded a bunch of stuff, and they started climbing onto my roof. And not only did they climb on my roof, they started tearing the shingles off of my roof. And if you have ever been in a house where that is happening, it is like hearing elephants dance on top of your roof. Now, I didn't chase them off. I was happy that they were there. And here's the crazy thing. I actually paid money for them to do this. Now, I paid the deductible the insurance company paid. But as you can figure out by now, it was hail damage. And I, we had to get our roof replaced. Roof, car, our fence looks like it's been shot by a shotgun. I mean, just crazy stuff that's happened over the last couple of weeks. Well, if you showed up at my house at about, let's say, 9 o'clock in the morning, just let anybody rip it apart. You're not going to let me come over to your house and rip off your roof. Please don't, if you think that I, that's the case. Because you're looking for somebody who is worthy to the task that, that's, that's at hand. Someone who's got the experience, someone who's got the tools, someone who knows what they are doing. And that is no different than getting your roof taken off. When you go to a car repair shop, you're not going to want me to disassemble your car engine. You're going to take it to a mechanic who is worthy of doing it. Your computer. You go and take your computer to the Apple store and they tear it apart and they put it back together because they know what they are doing. If you've got a problem, sometimes what you have to do is you have to tear it apart and then you have to put it back together, but you only let somebody who is worthy to do that. Now, you watch the news, you have social media feeds. Our world's a mess right now. And we need somebody who is worthy to the task that is hand to fix the messes that we are in. We have pain, we have trauma, we have things happening in our own lives, and we need somebody to come and fix those things in our lives. And we have sinned, and we need someone who is worthy to forgive us of our sins. When something's broken, sometimes you have to tear it apart, but you need somebody who's worthy to do that. 
Well, let me tell you the big idea. If you don't remember anything else for the next 25 minutes, you can go to sleep at this point. But here's your big idea for this morning. That only Jesus is worthy to make things right. Only Jesus is worthy to make things right. We're going to be in the book of Revelation, last book in your Bible. Uh, we're going to briefly be at chapter 4, but we're going to spend our time in chapters 5 and chapters 6. Uh, I'm at Frisco Bible Church most Sundays, and we're currently going through the book of Revelation this summer. In the spring, we did First and Second Thessalonians, and that's just a natural segue into the book of Revelation. Now, when you get to chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, we are entered into the throne room of heaven. And it's a kaleidoscope of colors. It's diamonds and rubies and jasmine and all of these colors. And there's a rainbow and there's a throne in the middle and that is where God the Father sits. And surrounding God the Father are four living creatures. And John, who is writing this as he's having a vision of this, it's beyond words. He says, I came and describe what I'm seeing. He says, but I think there was somebody who looked like a lion and someone who looked like an ox and someone who looked like a human and someone that looked like an eagle. And there were 24 elders that were around the, around the central throne and they had 24 thrones and they were in stark white robes and they had golden crowns on their head and worship breaks out at the end of chapter 4 and the elders are singing, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. There's our word worthy for this morning. You're going to hear that word multiple different times. I told you, the only person who I'm going to let get on my roof and I'm going to pay a deductible to is someone who's worthy for the task that's at hand. And here's our word worthy. Well, as we end chapter 4 of Revelation and we get to chapter 5, same throne room, same scene, it's just expanded a little bit more. Revelation chapter 5, 1 said, Then I, John saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne, that's God the Father, a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. Um, a scroll. In Roman times, this would have been an important document. This could have been someone's will, could have been a deed, could have been the house plans of my house as they're tearing off my roof. And what would happen is that when you had an important document, you would seal it with a signet ring into soft wax. Now, this must have been a super important document because it was sealed seven times. And when it's sealed with the signet ring of whoever is in authority, the only person who can open up that document is someone who is of equal authority, someone who is worthy to open the seals. Well, let's keep reading. I, John, also saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy? There's our word again. Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look in it. I wept and I wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to even look inside. This is a challenge that's shouted out across heaven of who is worthy to the task that's at hand. And there was complete and total silence because no one was worthy. It says no one was worthy in heaven. Not the archangel Michael. None of those four living creatures that we just talked about. None of those 24 elders. None of the angels. We can look at the Old Testament saints, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon, any of the prophets. No one was found worthy. We can look at the New Testament. Neither Peter, Paul, nor Mary were found worthy. 2,000 years of church history, none of the church fathers, not Martin Luther, not John Calvin, not Billy Graham, not any missionary, not any evangelist. No one in heaven was found worthy. But it also says no one on the earth was found worthy. That is no king, that is no queen, that is no prince, that is no princess, that is no president, that is no billionaire, that is no dictator, that is no celebrity that is no social media influencer no one on the earth was found 
worthy. But then it also says no one under the earth was found worthy. That is not Satan. That is not any of his legions of demons. That is no false god. No one was worthy to open the seal. John says here that I wept and I wept. That in the Greek, the original term there is a wailing. It is a loud, audible wail. Why is he reacting so strongly to this? Well, if you know the story of the book of Revelation, John has been placed on the island of Patmos in exile because of his faith in Jesus Christ. He's this, this for a lie. Was it worth it? Was it worth everything? Because if there's no one worthy to overthrow, then all the problems of the world will never get there. There will still be injustice. Injustice will actually win. And the poor will continue to suffer. And there's no millennial kingdom. There's no ruling of Christ on the earth. Was it all a lie? Was it worth it? But we keep reading on. Because remember, I've already told you, if you don't remember anything else from this story, that only Jesus is the one who's worthy to make things right. Then one of the elders said to me, said to John, Oh, do not weep. Look! The lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I, John, saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. And he had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. That's the case throughout all the New Testament. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. And he is the only one who is worthy to the task at hand. He walks up to God the Father, equal in authority, and takes the scroll from God the Father. This means that God the Son is equal in authority. It says that he was the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's a leader who leads in righteousness, a king. It says it comes from the root of David. This was the messianic king, a, a, a eternal king that was supposed to be in there. But when John looks, he does not see a ruler or a king. He doesn't see a lion. He sees a lamb. And a lamb who looks like it's died and come back to life. See, the central figure from this point forward throughout the book of Revelation is Jesus Christ. And the central historical event in Jesus' life is his death, burial, and resurrection. And you're going to see that over and over and over again. 28 times in the book of Revelation, John is going to call Jesus the Lamb. The Lamb who died for our sins and was raised again to new life as a result of that. It says that he has seven horns and seven eyes. Seven horns, that means he's all-powerful. Seven eyes, that means he's both omniscient and omnipotent. The same qualities as God the Father. And he went and he took the scroll out of the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne. We keep going, Revelation 5, 8 through 10. When he, Jesus, took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are, there's that word again, worthy. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you, were perch and you purchased people of God, for God by your blood from every tribe, language, people, and nation, and you made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign on the earth. There is so much rich theology that is in that worship song that they sing. And as you read through the book of Revelation, all of this gets packed out. It says you are worthy. So why is Jesus worthy to take the scroll and open the seals? Because he was slaughtered. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why is he worthy? Well, it's because the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ purchased the people of God by his blood. Why is he worthy? It says because of every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. Jesus is a global savior. Why is he worthy? Well, it's with 
Christ, if you have come to a point of trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation, and it's a kingdom and priesthood, and this idea of they will reign on the earth, this idea of a millennial kingdom that's going to take place. Incredible stuff. See, John was wailing because he wanted to see this happen. And he needed someone who was worthy to be able to do that. Revelation 5, 11 through 12, Then I, John, looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and also the living creatures and of the elders. And their numbers were countless thousands, plus thousands of thousands. And they said with a loud voice, there's our word again, worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Power and strength, those are your bookends. Why is Jesus worthy? Because he is all-powerful. It says riches. Jesus is the creator. It's all his anyway. He owns all of these things. Wisdom, he's all-knowing. These are all characteristics of who Jesus is. And as a result of those things, what is our response back? Well, it's honor, it's glory, and it's blessing. Honor, he is worthy of everything that we can give him in worship. And the glory and blessings that were given to God the Father are also now given to God the Son. Now, as we wrap up this section, he says, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and under the sea. Do you see this circle getting bigger? The worship starts off around the throne and then it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger. And now this is every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and everything in them. Again, if you've come to a point of trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation, there will be a time where this is where you're going to be. This is in the future. This is you at the throne room. And you're going to be saying blessing and honor and glory and power be the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Chapters 4 and chapters 5 get this incredible scene of the throne room. And again, if you have come to a point of trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation, there will be a time in the future where this is where you will be. This is a sermon in two halves. See, we end right there. Man, I could say amen and let's go and leave and everything be great and wonderful. But we're going to keep on going one more chapter into chapter 6. And when you get to chapter 6, it's going to get a little dark. So let's go back to my scene of the house. At 9 o'clock in the morning, you come to my house and say, George, do you know what in the world they're doing to your house? I said, yes. I know it looks messy right now, but there's a plan. And the guys on the roof, they know what they're doing. And I'm trusting them to get it done and to get it fixed and to make it right. See, because what's going to happen as we go to chapter 6 is we're going to be introduced to the dark part of Revelation. And you're going to wonder, who's in charge? Or you might even wonder, is the right person in charge? But you always remember that Jesus is the one who's worthy to make things right. I uh, want to introduce you very quickly to, you know, when, when, uh, when we are doing this series at our church, you know, we're spending the entire summer going through Revelation. And so what was I thinking is do a one-off sermon at a church and to cover the book of Revelation. But let me show you two charts very quickly. And if any of this stuff interests you, I want to point you to a book called The End by Dr. Mark Hitchcock. He's one of my colleagues at Dallas Theological Seminary phenomenal book on end times and explaining what is all going with the end times. But just in a nutshell, there is going to be a time sometime in the future, we're currently in the church age, but there will be a time in the future where, again, if you have trusted in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation, you will be raptured. Here's the reason why. You do not want to be in the construction zone. Trust me on this. And so you are going to be removed from what happens. Then, what we're going to enter into is seven years of tribulation. Uh, Daniel spoke of this. Jesus spoke of this. And it's kind of divided into two halves, a first half and a second half. In the first half of this, there's going to be a power vacuum that's going to happen. Why? Because the church is no longer here. The godly influence is no longer here, and evil is going to take its place. So it's going to be the rise of the Antichrist. We're going to meet him in just a second. He is going to make a false 
peace with the Jews. He is going to bring peace to the Middle East, but it's going to be a false peace. And there's going to be a reconfiguration of ten kingdoms that's going to take place. Then halfway through the tribulation, that treaty is going to be broken, and literally all hell is going to break loose on the earth. This is the period of this, of this tribulation. You see here about seven seals and seven bowls. Let me break this out a little bit. All you've got to remember about the book of Revelation is that there's seven seals, there's seven trumpets, and there's seven bowls. And then there's a bunch of stuff in between. You're going to be introduced to the different characters and different events and those types of things. But the timeline is basically this. Uh, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. We're going to cover the first six seals, and there is an interlude that takes place. And in that interlude that takes place, which is chapter 7, it is the sealing of 144,000 Jewish evangelists. Because what's going to happen, the church is going to leave, yet the gospel is going to be proclaimed like never before. You have never seen revival like you're going to see as these 144,000 Jewish evangelists are proclaiming the gospel around the world. And literally, we're told that thousands of people are going to come to Christ during the time of tribulation. And then we're going to read a little bit later on about two supernatural witnesses as well that are going to take place. But we're going to be focused on these seals right now. Seals take place during the early part of the tribulation. Trumpets take place during the latter part of the tribulation. And the bowls take place at the very end of the tribulation. Revelation 6, 1, we're going to introduce six seals. The first one is a white seal. Then I, John, saw the Lamb open the one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come! And I looked, and there was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, a crown was given to him, and he went out as a conqueror in order to conquer. Now, you're going to read this on the surface and say, Oh, that's Jesus! White horse! Jesus! This is a good guy! No, this is the introduction to the Antichrist, the counterfeit Christ. There's over 100 passages that talk about the Antichrist and who he is. Remember, what's going to happen? Church, you're gone. You're raptured out. There is a power vacuum that takes place. Satan has been waiting all of his life for you to get out of the way. Because now you're out of the way, he thinks he can come into power. And he has always been grooming someone to be ready for this time. And this Antichrist is going to rise. This Antichrist is going to be a military genius. He's going to be a financial genius. He's going to be a political genius. He is going to be a spokesman par excellence. He is going to step on the stage and wow the stage. And everyone's going to say, this has got to be the guy that we've got to follow. That's the very first seal that's going to be broken where the Antichrist comes to play. The second seal is a red seal. When he opened the second seal, I heard a second living creature say, Come! And then another horse went out, a fiery red one. And its rider was allowed to take peace from the earth so that people would slaughter one another. And a large sword was given to him. I told you the Antichrist is going to come. He's going to bring a peace, but it's going to be a false peace. Because there's no godly influence. And when godly influence leaves the world, people do horrific things to other people. People are going to kill one another on a scale that's unimaginable that's going to take place. And that's what the second seal indicates. There's a third seal. This is a black seal. When he opened the third seal, I heard a third living creature say, Come and look, there was a black horse and its rider held a set of scales in his hands. And then I heard something like a voice among the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of wheat of barley for a denarius. Oh! but do not harm the oil and the wine. Church leaves, godly influence leaves, Antichrist comes in, godly influence is gone, people are killing each other on a scale unimaginable, and what happens even worse is there's going to be hyperinflation and economic uh, injustice that's going to take place. You think the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer now? Wait till the church leaves and people taking advantage of one another. This whole thing of wheat and denarius and barley and denarius, what does that mean? Wheat is the good grain, barley is the eh, okay grain. So a quart of wheat would have been the allowance that would have been given to a Roman for their food allotment for the day. And a denarius was the pay rate for a day's labor, meaning 
you have to work all day to get one meal. So whatever your pay rate is right now, you have to work all day just to get that one meal. And so what's going to happen is people are going to say, look, I can't afford healthy food. Barley was the food that was given to the animals. And so what's going to happen is people are going to start eating the livestock food. They're going to start eating the dog food because it's going to get so bad. And it is because evil people are doing evil things to other people. Oh, but it says, oh, but do not harm the oil and the wine. See, if you're rich, you'll be okay. You'll pay more, but that's fine, and you'll just charge more for what you need. And again, that whole idea of economic injustice taking place. That's our third seal. Fourth seal. Then I, he opened the fourth seal, and I heard a voice from the a fourth living creature say, Come, and I looked, and there was a pale green horse. I tried to do justice to the color. It's a, it's a color of death. It's the color of a corpse that has been left out to rot. That's the color that's there. Your Bible might say ashen colored. But it's a pale green horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following after him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill by the sword, by famine, by plague, and by wild animals of the earth. The fourth rider is named Death, and his footman behind him is Hades. Death is the physical death that takes place. Hades is where the immortal soul goes to dwell. It says a fourth of the people are going to die. Why? Because evil people are going to do evil things because the church is gone. And it says it's going to be by sword, it's going to be by famine. We just read about that in the third. By plague, you think COVID was bad, get ready. And by wild animals. Even the nature itself is going to turn on itself as a result of this. The godly influence is gone. The world is getting what it wants. Let's get the church out of the way. Let's get God out of the way. Let's get Jesus stuff out of the way. Let's get the Bible out of the way. Okay, we'll do that. And let's see how this works out. And it works out really, really bad. Fifth seal. Then he opened the fifth seal. And I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slaughtered because of the word of God and the testimony they had given. They cried out with a loud voice, Lord, the one who is holy and true, how long until you judge those who live on the earth and avenge our blood? So they were each given a white robe and they were told to rest a little while longer until their number would be complete for their of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters who were going to be killed just as they had been. Again, while all this craziness is taking place and all this evil is taking place, at the exact same time, the gospel is being proclaimed and thousands of people are actually coming to Christ. But here's the evil of Satan. As soon as these people are coming to Christ, they are getting killed. Martyrdom on an unknown scale to this point in time in history is going to be taking place. These are all people who come to Christ during the tribulation. They're being killed off. And they're saying, God, do you see the roof? Do you see what's happening? God, are you in charge? But here's what you notice what the martyrs say. They say, oh, Lord, the one who is holy and true. They have questions about what's going on, but they never question who God is. God, we know you're holy. God, we know you're true. And we know that you're going to make this right. It is not a personal vendetta on their part. It is trusting God to bring the justice. And the justice is going to come. There's going to be seven trumpets. And there's going to be seven bowls. And God says, wait just a little bit longer. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. The roof's going to be fixed by the afternoon. But you just have to wait a little bit longer while we continue to deal with the problems that are at hand. Revelation 6, 12 and 14. Then I, John, saw him, Jesus, open the sixth seal. A violent earthquake occurred. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of hair. The entire moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its unripe figs when shaken by a high wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved in its place. See, seals one through five, that's evil people doing evil to other people. 
church is gone, Antichrist has come in, all hell breaks loose on the earth, and it's evil people doing evil things to other people. Now God steps onto the stage. Earthquake. There's going to be five earthquakes in Revelation. Three big earthquakes, two smaller earthquakes. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you'll hear about earthquakes. And this is a shot across the bow, a warning shot saying a holy God is getting ready to step onto the scene. Get ready. It's like the countdown clock. Remember, there was a little countdown clock before worship started today. Five minutes before the worship starts, four minutes before the worship starts. These are the warning shots. An earthquake is going to take place. All these other things about the sun turning black and the moon turning like blood and stars of heaven falling, meteor showers, those are all predicted in the Old Testament. The Old Testament saints said this is what's going to happen. Before God comes onto the scene, this is what's going to happen. Earthquakes and changes in the stellar beings. And this whole idea of a scroll being rolled up, what does that mean? Well, let's keep reading. Revelation 6, 15 through 17 says, Then the kings of the earth and the nobles and the generals and the rich and the powerful and every slave and every free person hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Oh, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, because the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? How do they know somebody's on a throne? How do they know it's a lamb? My opinion, I could be totally wrong. But I think in some supernatural way, for a moment, the curtain is pulled open. And God says, it is me that's behind all this. You want to know who's in control? You want to know who is behind all this? It is me who is behind all this. And then the curtain closes. I can't explain how that's going to be, but I think that's what's going to happen. And there's this supernatural revelation. Again, it's a shot across the bow of, come to me. But what you see the reaction is, the reaction of the people of the earth is, I would rather die in an avalanche than to worship that. God says, you're going to get exactly what you want. You're going to get exactly what you want. There's two groups of people in this. If you've come to a point of trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation, guess what? On that day, you're going to be in the throne room. You're going to be worshiping at the throne room. And it's going to be an amazing time, a period that's there, where you are worshiping not because of what you've done. You're worshiping because of the grace that's been extended to you. But there's going to be a population on that day that is going to want to hide from the wrath. Same throne room, same lamb, two very different responses. It's the same Jesus who is Lord and Redeemer and is the object of worship and praise on the part of the saints, but he's also the same righteous judge of the wicked earth and the one by whose sovereign authority the terrible events of the tribulation unfold. See, today, today is a day of grace. Oh, but a day of wrath is coming for those who reject the grace. And because God's love and grace, he's given plenty of time for people to heed the warning. One thing you're going to see throughout the book of Revelation, to the very, very, very end, the gospel is going to continue to be proclaimed. Over and over and over again, all throughout the seven years, the Gospels will be clearly proclaimed. At the end of the tribulation, no one's going to sit there and say, well, I didn't know what was going on. You absolutely know what's going on. Everyone at the end is without excuse, and the choice is very clear. Grace is extended to the very end. God is to the very end trying to woo people to him, yet the people continue to reject him. even in a congregation like today. There are some who maybe still have never come to the point of trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. The gospel is very clear. I'm not worthy. There's only one who's worthy, and I get to exchange my unworthiness for the worthiness of the Lamb. And even today, you can come to a point of trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. 
And if that's something you'd want to talk about, we would love to talk with you about that. There are people you know who you want in the throne room. And it's still time for you to present the gospel to them. And the, the gospel message of exchanging their unworthiness for the worthiness of Christ. Because once again, we know that only Jesus is worthy to make things right. Let's pray. Jesus, you are worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Jesus, you are worthy to receive all of the worship that we could ever hope to offer. Jesus, this is your world, and you are the only one worthy to take possession of it. We are your people. We look forward to the day when you, the worthy one, return to right the wrongs and to set up your worthy kingdom truly in our midst. Jesus, there are still those who do not acknowledge your worthiness. Oh, call them to you. Soften their hearts. Instead of hiding in fear of the Lamb, may they run to your shelter, to your throne. I pray specifically for those here today who have never come to trust you alone for their salvation. May even today they trust in you and not themselves. That's the gospel, plain and simple. Trusting in you, Jesus, and not ourselves. Jesus, for those who have trusted in you for our salvation, this is good news. It's the best news to share. This is good news for every tribe, language, people, and nation. May we with boldness proclaim to our family, to our friends, co-workers, that you, Jesus, are the worthy one. And may we with boldness proclaim that you, Jesus, are coming again. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Hillman. That was awesome. Thank you so much. What a great sermon. We're going to ask that you stand and worship with us this morning. we got one more song, so uh, let's respond to God.
Centered and gospel focused. Here's what's happening at Firewheel. Firewheel family, August 27th. Stick around after church as we celebrate baptisms outside and stay for hamburgers and hot dogs as we kick off our fall activities. Bring a side or dessert to share. If you're interested in being baptized, please fill out the form on the event page of the website and a pastor will contact you. July 30th is the fifth Sunday of the month, and we're going to do something a little different and worship together as an entire Firewheel family, giving our children's ministry volunteers a much needed break. A family room will be available in the great room for those who would like it, as there will be no children's ministry at 11 a.m. But little voices and little faces are expected and welcome. Firewheel men, it is time for the second annual Meetapalooza. July 15th at 6 p.m. at the Stalls House. Bring some meat or a side to share. For more details, contact men at firewheelfellowship.com or check the event page on the website. For more info on these or any of the events going on around Firewheel, check us out at firewheelfellowship.com events or you'll find us on social media. All right. Thank you for that wonderful video. Let's give a round of applause to Aaron Bender. She specifically asked me to give her a shout out, but she does so much work for us graphically. Uh, wouldn't be able to do it without you. Uh, but yes, coming up, we do have Palooza this week, uh, and VBS is coming up as well. Now, last week, yes, last week I said it was a Greek acronym for Adults Please Volunteer but it's actually a Hebrew word for you better volunteer. Yes, thank you. Uh, visitors, there is a QR code on the screen. If you could give that a quick uh, snap with your camera, fill out some information, I'd love to send you some more info about how you can get involved at Firewheel. Uh, but now for the offering, and uh, something Dr. Hillman was talking about today, just a thought occurred to me, how amazing is it that the creator universe the individual who could literally shatter our world with a word has given us such a tangible way to give to that mission. Um, I think we take it for granted a lot of times offering, 
what are we giving, who are we giving to, yada, yada, yada. But when you put it in a context like that, we are giving to really the ultimate purpose and the ultimate mission. Uh, so let me pray over the offering, and then we'll continue. Uh, dear Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much for giving us uh, these small, insignificant creatures in the grand scheme of things. Thank you for giving us the opportunity uh, to further your mission. In your name, amen. Uh, like I said, we got Palooza coming up. Our website has all the information you need. Uh, other than that, tomorrow's a big day. We leave for junior camp. Now, uh, the teens had a wonderful time, but juniors have a little bit more of a multi-dimensional approach to this week. I need you to pray for some things. First of all, homesickness. For many kids, this is the first time baby bird has left the nest. So please pray for homesickness. Uh, please pray for patience for the leaders. And really just pray that this week coming up will be transformative. Um, some of these kids who are going to camp have never heard the gospel. Some of these kids have heard it for years, but they haven't really understand it. So please pray that this week uh, the message really sinks in and the foundation for the rest of their faith lives can begin. So that's all. Thank you very much. Oh, actually, yeah. Kevin. Kevin, sorry. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Kevin's going to do the benediction. Sorry. Oh, sorry, no, no. Kelly's going to do the benediction. <laughs> All right. We will now do a two-and-a-half-man recreation of the benediction. No, I'm kidding. So. I'm Kelly. I'm Kevin. That was an outstanding message. Um, I appreciate it so much, Dr. Hillman. Um, bringing any kind of clarity to Revelation is fantastic. Thank you very much. Let's close with benediction. May the Lord go before you to light the path and give you direction. May he go behind you to guide your steps. May he go beside you to keep you from stumbling. May he go above you to protect you. And may he go within you to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And may our Father in heaven always grant you the character that is the greater than the gifts and humility that is, in, that is greater <laughs> than your influence. Thank you all. You are dismissed.